0: Welcome back this evening, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 11 through 13. 1 Thessalonians three eleven through 13. Paul was with Silas and Timothy when this letter was written to Christians in Thessalonica, in the region called Macedonia. I believe we detect from the letter just about the time we begin to read it that Paul had a good relationship with these people. He didn't hold anything back in addressing issues. He commended them for their love for each other. And in this passage, he expresses his prayer for them, 1 Thessalonians 3. 11 through 13. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you so that he may establish your hearts blameless In holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints so there is something here that is immediate in our minds as soon as we read the passage and that's this God wants to hear us pray for each other not just about physical health but spiritual health. God wants that. It helps us. And it certainly blesses those that we pray for. Paul is telling the Christians in Thessalonica the content of his prayers for them. And I think he knew this would encourage them, it would please God, and it would bless them in their pursuit of, and their intention toward spiritual growth and the eventual ultimate outcome at the coming of our Lord Jesus with his saints. And I think we know that it will encourage us to pray this way. It will encourage those we pray for. And it will contribute to our pursuit and their pursuit of. Of spiritual growth. And God is pleased when we pray in this manner. I'm going to take a few minutes tonight to look at some of the parts of this passage in 1 Thessalonians three, eleven through 13. Start at the very beginning. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. The Apostle Paul, I think, probably often felt like he was spread too thin. And by that I mean he wanted to be in so many different places with so many different people to equip them in so many different ways to do the Lord's work. But you can't be in Ephesus and Corinth and Thessalonica at the same time. Paul's response to this dilemma was to tell people, even though I'm here, I'm praying for you over there. And when I go to you over there, I'll be praying for these people over here. And we see the wisdom in that because we know that we can't do everything for everybody all the time 24-7. You can't do what everybody wants you to do or whatever everybody needs to have done at the same time. But you can ask God to help you with everything that you're able to do under his care and keeping wherever you are at the moment. And you can tell people that even though you're not there, you're praying for them when you're somewhere else with somebody else. Very simple thoughts that emerge when you read Paul's prayer here and in other places where he described the content of his prayers. And Paul's example is worthy of our attention and then our imitation in that with reference to all the frustrations that we may have that we can't be everywhere all the time with everybody and meet everybody's needs in the moment we can pray about them and we can serve people to the best of our ability and we can communicate to people that even though we're not there we're praying for them and we can speak to God about that and he will hear us about all that and we can tell our brethren that we want to help And that we're praying for them when we're not there. This was the goodwill that prevailed between Paul and these good people in Thessalonica. It is the goodwill that should prevail among us and those that we know, even though we can't be where they are. We can send their names to God in prayer, asking Him to help us do everything within the realm of our ability and opportunity where we are to help them to his glory. Then, to add another layer to that in verse 12. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you. And here again these are the kinds of prayers God wants to hear from us. I need to pray that my love for you will increase and abound and you need to pray likewise for me. The Apostle Paul spoke against the devil and he exposed false doctrine and false teachers and he affirmed vigorously the authority of Christ. And he answered critics. He comforted God's people, but he also prayed that brethren would love each other and love others and increase and abound in that love. So there's goodwill all over this page, written on this page, not just to inform us, but to transform us. And to keep us where we ought to be in our prayers for each other, our love for each other, our motives about each other. To enrich our care for each other with this interest in serving God and helping others to serve Him. Love (coughs) is a virtuous attitude that should increase and not stagnate it should abound in us we should grow stronger in our love over time and that that has to be intentional on our part love is not a standalone command separated from everything else it is connected to everything else in the New Testament connected to every good quality every good attitude every good component and fabric of purity and righteousness that God would have us exhibit from the inside out. It will always need our attention I'll never come to a place you'll never come to a place where we can graduate somewhere else out of love and if we neglect it we drift away from its reach within us. Paul said may the Lord Make you increase and abound in your love for one another and for all as we do for you. And then here's a place where we'll spend some more time in verse 13. So that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Here's something I've picked up on through the years that I wish I had picked up on in my very early reading and study of the New Testament. There are certain words and turns of phrases that will help us see connections in the text. And in the English Standard Version one very common phrase is two simple words so that and in some of the other translations it will appear this way to the end or in order that are in order to and what that can be called is a purpose phrase it is a phrase that is introductory to a purpose that is critical to that context it introduces a purpose I think if you have the King James, many times you'll see the phrase, to the end. But in some of the more modern translations, it is so that. So here's how that helps me. It helps me keep all of these things and these verses together, leading to the purpose. So here's what I want to do. I want to go back and read 11 to 13. And I want to read it with emphasis on the purpose phrase. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints." So. Paul prayed to God that he, along with Silas and Timothy, might be able to visit them. Also, he prayed that the Lord would help them increase and abound in their love for each other and their love for others. So that, and here's the purpose, to be blameless and holy at the coming of our Lord with all his saints so the purpose of everything in the paragraph is to be ready when the Lord comes the purpose of everything in the passage is to be ready when the Lord comes so we need to take everything in the passage internally in order that we might be so that we might be ready when the Lord comes now are there benefits and blessings while we are here absolutely certainly but beyond our existence here and our existence here is temporary beyond our existence here there is an ultimate purpose that we look to to be ready at the coming of our Lord and that purpose Ties together everything Paul wrote in the passage. So, I'm going to read it a third time. Now, may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you. So that... He may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Now, let's go back and look at some of the other factors and details that are inside of this. Establish your hearts. You know, I cannot establish my own heart. You cannot establish your own heart without God. We should ask God to help us establish our hearts. When we come in obedience to the gospel, we're asking God to help us establish our hearts. That word establish conveys the idea of being solid. It means to set up, to firm up, to be strong and sturdy establish establishment you have a foundation that is Christ I should say you have a foundation who is Christ you align yourself on him and with him and for him and then you ask God to establish your heart with solid and long-term improvement And you keep going back to His Word for that improvement. And what is the purpose? To be ready at the coming of the Lord. Here's another word that may stand out blameless. I tell you, if we didn't have Christ, being blameless wouldn't be an option. Sinners have nothing to offer. Because they're sinners. It was last Sunday night that I mentioned there is really only one thing the sinner can say to God. I appeal for mercy. God offers mercy in Christ and when we respond to him. And then after that initial response live in him. That mercy we accept enables us to be forgiven and saved. And maintain blamelessness before God. And the purpose, remember that purpose phrase, to be ready at the coming of the Lord. Let's take another step into this. There's another word here requiring our attention. Holiness before our God and Father. I think at first... We may be intimidated by these two words if we really understand the force of sin that has brought us to Christ we are first intimidated by these words blameless and holy me if we have such humility and meekness and lowliness knowing that we have fallen short if we know how great and good God is and what Christ suffered for us we may at first when we come to words like this in the Bible be intimidated by their meaning and their force blameless and holiness that intimidation godly sorrow and humility that we have at first should bring us to the cross in penitent confession and obedience and baptism and then keep us there. And in our reception of the gift of salvation by the activity of faith, our sincere responses to God going forward day after day, we realize in Christ we can be blameless and holy. It's not something imposed on us. It is received by us through the activity of our faith, the motivation of our hope, and the establishing the firmness of our hearts when we are nourished by God's word. But for what purpose? To be ready at the coming of the Lord. Let's read it a fourth time. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. I may, in fact, read that one more time. I have three simple points to close. Faithful pursuit of godly living must always look to its purpose. Faithful pursuit of godly living must always look ahead to its purpose, to be ready at the coming of the Lord. There are rich blessings. There are very good things among Christians here on earth. But we must keep our focus ahead on the ultimate purpose. To be ready at the coming of the Lord Jesus. We live toward that event. And we live for that event. Let there be no doubt about that even though we have blessings in our present existence. Number two, we are way inefficient, insufficient of ourselves to achieve blameless hearts and holy lives. I'm reminded of what Paul wrote about himself and about us, I think, in 2nd Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 2 where he said we are not sufficient in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves rather our sufficiency comes from God I must ever keep that in my mind number three may we examine ourselves with attention An intention to love and make progress in that love to increase and abound in that love one of my favorite writers a gospel preacher Paul Earnhardt said loving others in a Christ-like way is not ordinary anybody can latch hold of what's ordinary Loving others in a Christ-like way is not ordinary, and it's not meant for the faint-hearted. It's made possible by the grace of God for all his children. Can we do this one more time? Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you, And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. And I'll repeat what I said this morning. God is watching to see what we do with this after we leave here. After we leave this building. In the day, in the week, in the rest of our lives here on earth. Let's be standing as we sing.